What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I'm here with Anthony, Lori, and Mike. And today we are playing catch up with our birthday episodes. And this one was Anthony's choice. So he <laughs> chose the 1980 sci fi film Battle Beyond the Stars. Sci fi classic. Classic. Film. Just get that right. Battle sci-fi Beyond the Stars. Classic. Um, <laughs> I had never heard of this movie before. I had never seen this I'm movie sorry, before. What? So today was no. So today was my first entree into this film, and I have <laughs> I have some okay. things to say. <laughs> all right. First of all, as the person who started the birthday viewings with Howard the Duck and how people got on me about the quality of Howard the Duck, I would like to applaud Anthony for choosing this particular movie, which makes Howard the Duck look like Infinity War. And that makes me feel so much. <laughs> makes me feel good in my heart to know that Howard the Duck is no longer on the bottom. I. I oh mean, wait, I mean, when when did Howard the Duck come out? Eighties. Yeah, I was gonna say. Okay, so imagine the changes in sixty yeah. years of special true. effects from eighty to eighty-six. Look, I just uh, went down and checked off when I saw a trope: gratuitous ass shot, <laughs> check; gratuitous boob shot, check. Gratuitous old man fighting, either getting shot, stabbed, or wounded, or dying of a heart attack. Check. Uh, gratuitous bikini with my hand like oh on my. Okay, we're gonna get into all of that because I have thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Look, this is what my I'm with it. This is this movie brought me back to like my seventh or eighth grade self watching this movie on cable and just loving every second of it this movie and the last starfighter those two movies yes. were like my childhood I, I, i'm and the I same way the movies. last starfighter this movie yeah. enemy mine or like enemy mine yeah oh enemy mine awesome yeah th- those yes, are sir. that's my childhood i mean not not counting you know star wars and star trek and mm-hmm. but, but you know the, these <laughs> movies are like the core of what makes me a sci-fi Hell yeah <laughs> fan I mean, this is like the precursor to like Babylon 5 and all those sci-fi channel shows. These are precursors to that. I can you... see that with the smart ass ship talking back to. Yeah, I, yeah. I can definitely. <laughs> exactly. see it. It, it was funny, but I, you know, I think it Well, you know, in 1980, I was only five. So I'm pretty sure I can be like maybe 95 percent positive. My father probably would have seen that movie because my dad was into like sci fi and all that stuff. That's kind of where I came into it. But watching it for the first time as a 46 year old in 2021 and seeing all the things that are problematic about this film, it was hard. I was like, OK, I got to keep an open mind. It's 1980s. But my daughter was sitting downstairs with me on the couch and she's on her phone. And every once in a while, she turned around like, what the fuck? What? What is it? What? But, there but was like a lot said, of that you, going you, on. You well, have to you have to remember it was 1980. You got to take it in context. I know. I know. And I'm not saying this stuff is right because I'm watching it. And I'm sitting there thinking, Hanukkah's <laughs> gonna have some problems. 
Hanukkah. <laughs> Hanukkah. 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 Yep, let me. That Hanukkah's have a problem with that. Stuff, yeah, that at too. least there, at least there weren't any stereotypical Asian characters in this. So there's <laughs> that. Um, hello, there were no was, POCs in this. <laughs> in this film, it was a reptile, but no POCs. Just don't let her watch *Romancing the Stone* because then she will probably move out. I mean, come on, that's even worse. But I've seen *Romancing the Stone*. So, yes, but okay. <laughs> Anyway, let's get into it. Anthony, since you chose the movie, tell us a little bit about the synopsis and why you chose this movie. Okay, so I'm going to do that in reverse order. Okay. Okay. Um, there were a plethora of movies I could have chosen that <laughs> probably would have been like safer choices, like The Matrix, Star Wars, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. I mean, the, these are movies that are like in, in my upper echelon of movies, but right. one that I don't ever really talk about because I know people don't really know about it or haven't seen it is Battle Beyond the Stars. Mm -hmm. And it is a gem of a film. I mean, it has, it has some problems, um, but when you're young and, and, you know, you're watching TV and like Mike said, it, it was on, you know, a lot. And like you, I think my dad had watched it. And I think I watched it with him for the first time. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's very entertaining. Um, if you know anything about Roger Corman, um, you know that you've probably seen some of the scenes and some of the other stuff in the other movies because he was cheap. This movie came out <laughs> after Star Wars. <laughs> um, and Roger Corman, before that, had produced some movies, and they were all low-budget films. And he got a $2 million budget for this one, which for him is a lot of fucking money. And most of that money went to pay George Papard and Robert Vaughn. <laughs> and John Saxon, probably. Yeah, and, and they didn't, he didn't even have enough money for the sci-fi places they the, not the the um special effects houses he went to he was like can you do this movie they're like how much you got mm -hmm. i got two million dollar budget but half of it has gone to robert robert saxon george papard and and, and um robert vaughn now nah, we can't Probably do it. Chuck, Terry, Chuck. go ahead sorry well yeah and long story short he did what George Lucas did. He's like, fuck it. I'll just make my own science fiction special effects house and we'll do it that way. Um, the Speaking of the cast, there's so many people, you know, that we know and love that come out of this movie, like Sybil Danning, George Wapard, John Saxon, Richard Thomas from the Waltons, Robert Vaughn, um, Julia Duffy, is in there it's like her first movie kathy griffin is an extra in the background wait what yes yeah. kathy kathy griffin is i missed that you, you if you're Everybody blinking, missed it. It. i missed it too everybody's <laughs> in this movie it's awesome yeah. earl bowen yes, yes. Earl, bowen yes. Is earl bowen is in it yeah good character actor um behind the scenes you had uh roger corman of course bill paxton was actually a painter and carpenter on the set. Really? He was hired by his good friend, James Cameron, who was also on this. Now, it's, James Cameron is very interesting because he started out as building the models. And one model in particular he's famous for is the ship, the Corsair ah! Nail. 
<laughs> and he was like, oh, wait, Nil? Nil is the AI on the ship. And it's a female. And he's like, oh. You mean the ovary well, ship? Well, not just that, but the ship has boobs. Those aren't ovaries. <laughs> the ship has boobs. <laughs> that ship has boobs. The ship has and, boobs. Ship I mean, body. I understand it, but if you look at the ship when it's flying, like, front, I was like, it's it's a giant ovary. And, and if you go to the internet and pull up a photo of yes. ovaries, the, like yeah, the yeah. little ovaries drawing that they usually yeah. put in the science books, it looks exactly like that fucking ship. Yeah, but that, his intention was boobs. to give it boobs <laughs> in the front. Boobs. And it has boobs. And they liked it. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll go with that. So he was the model builder. Um, he also, they had the person who was supposed to do the miniature photography for some of their scenes. Uh, that person quit. And he was like, I can do it, even though he had never done it before. <laughs> so he joined the special effects team. And and then the art director quit. And they came and like, do you want to be the art director? He's like, sure, I'll be the art director. <laughs> so he went from building the models to the art director for the film. But that also led him to, you know, Terminator, Alien, all that stuff that came later. He found some really good relationships. Um, you mentioned Earl Bowen. He had him in, in Terminator. In Terminator 2, he shows up. I mean, it, the, the movie, to me, I think, is, is just a gem. I mean, it does have some problems, but it's a gem. <laughs> and it had the unlikely circumstance. <laughs> When Star Wars came out in 1977, it was huge. I mean, there's no, it was huge. So everybody, all the studios, all the writers, all the directors, they all wanted their Star Wars. This was Roger Corman's attempt at cashing in on that whole movement, as you would, as you might say. The story is based on um, Akira Kurosawa's. Um, Shishinin's No Samurai, which is basically Magnificent Seven. Okay. So it's a Magnificent Seven story, is what it is. Um, and they're called Akirans. And yes, no, Akira. Akira. So the planet Akira. is Akir, and the people from the planet are Akira, mm-hmm. which is in honor of him. So um, John Saxon is, was it John Saxon? Yeah, yes. John Saxon was Sador who leads the Malmori, which is a race of mutants. And John Saxon has this big ship that has this cannon, which will remind you of like the Death Star that could just blow planets up. And so he's going around threatening planets to conquer them. He comes to Akir and he threatens them and gives them seven uh, cycles or raisings of their red giant sun, which I'm not going to get into the science of a planet orbiting a red giant. Uh, that would be like Kryptonians, but whatever. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we, there's that. And he threatens him. He's like, I'm going to come back basically in seven days and I'm going to either you join me or I'm going to wipe you out. So this farm boy, <laughs> yeah. this farm boy, uh, J- Richard Thomas, who's Shad, not Chad, but Shad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He is given a task by Zed the Corsair because they are, of course, a peaceful people, the Varda. They follow the Varda, which has these rules I haven't still quite worked out because I swear it changes every time I watch the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, was that the first rule or was that the second rule? Oh, wait, was that the third rule or the first rule? (laughs) 
let me tell you, every time they mentioned the Varda, I was like, just shut up about the Varda. Because y'all don't even know what the Varda is. <laughs> even at the end of the movie, when Nell, the uh, the spaceship gets her memory jam she was like wait was that the first rule or was that the second one? i'm like we don't know we haven't known the whole movie and and so since they're non-violent people they don't have weapons but they have this ship which you know is a corsair which is pretty heavily armored but you know who knows what happened to their race so he's given the quest you know i like quests he's given the quest to go and um get some help to help them, you know, defend themselves against the invasion by Sador and the Maumori mutants or whatever. And so he goes on this adventure, this quest, and he comes across some people and he puts together a ragtag group of mercenaries, quote unquote. <laughs> uh, one being George Papard, who is the cowboy, who we assume is from Earth. He says That's he's from B.A. Baracus in space. From Earth. He said he's from Earth. <laughs> So, that's yeah. B.A. Baracus in no, space. Hannibal. That's all I have. No, that's I mean, Hannibal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hannibal. Hannibal. Yeah, Hannibal. Yeah, Hannibal. Hannibal. I was like, oh, um, God. Unfortunately, his introduction, we introduced with him with a side view of his ship. And there's a Confederate flag, which, in my defense, I don't remember ever seeing a Confederate flag. It's there. I don't. It's the biggest day. But it's there. <laughs> and, and you never see it again. So that I knew I was like, Hanukkah is gonna but you it. didn't have to see it because every time he opened his mouth you knew what demographic he was <laughs> representing he yeah. was a good old southern white boy i mean he wasn't yeah. i think mike yeah. made the comment before we started recording he was like well at least he wasn't racist i was like there really wasn't anything to be racist against you had white people and you had aliens and that was pretty much it and he was okay but, with the aliens he was okay with everybody <laughs> Anyway, Does it look white? But he was like, cool what? because he he had the coolest utility belt, which <laughs> with that man would have been envious of. My husband I, actually looked it up. He's like, I want a utility one. belt with an ice maker. With I an ice that. maker. With an ice maker. My daughter looked like, what the? F- do you man. want it on the rocks or do you want it neat? He was ready. He was ready for every circumstance. Yo, it has scotch in it. I'm like, yes, sir. And like, okay. No, the point. At one point, when again it gets down to the nitty gritty, and he just does straight, you know, scotch. She goes, "You forgot the ice and soda." He goes, "No, I didn't." I was like, "Oh yeah, now's the party." Yeah, that utility belt. Oh my god, everything. Oh yeah. my god, um, I was like, then- "Wait!" I when he was sitting there pouring it, I was like, "Okay, he is actually pouring alcohol." Then I hear clink clink. I was like, "Wait a minute, you mean to tell me it's a ice maker belt?" <laughs> Like, so. where does that come from? I'm almost scared to, like, where does the water come from that you make the ice with? I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried. It's it's like, it's like the um, the suits they have in Dune. It takes his body moisture, it filters it, and it puts it in, in the ice maker. Alcohol sterilizes it. It's so filtered it's in alcohol. What are you worried about? It's fine. It's it fine. just gets it's, it's it's scotch gold. It's fine. Don't worry about that. Um, don't worry about the- that. <laughs> But his first, the first part of his quest he's given um, Shad is he has to go to find Dr. Hephaestus, which um, Zed tells him is an, is an armor. He can give him weapons that he needs and point him in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm ready for this part. <laughs> so he goes to Dr. Hephaestus' station. He gets basically uh, captured and Dr. Hephaestus wants him to stay and make babies with his daughter. Prepare the conjugal. What did you say? Prepare the conjugal chamber. 
I lost. I had to leave the room. I'm sorry. I did. I was ah. so hard. I had to leave the room. <laughs> First of all, let's talk about the fact that Dr. Hephaestus has, um, I don't know if we want to say transitioned or I don't know what happened to his human body now he's Solid. just a, he's just a brain he's a now dog. he's just a, a an android with his human head and apparently still his his brain functions and his knowledge and everything his daughter has only been surrounded by androids her whole life like she doesn't know about the other planets she doesn't know about human you know human interactions it's very weird and then when shad goes to talk to him about why he's there you know he's he's trying to get people to help defend his planet from and and the dude is like yeah no i i know what you're here for but i could offer you something so much better this this station was built for a lot of people and it's very lonely here so i want you to stay here and reproduce with my daughter and yeah you'll be happy and I was just sitting there like, oh, we're going here today. Okay, we're going to go here. So you're yeah, just offering but- up your daughter, who again has <laughs> never encountered another human being in her life except for her father. That also makes me question, okay, where's her mother? Because she says specifically she's never met another human being except for her father. Where's her mother? Then you're um, going to just put her in the conjugal chamber chamber with this guy. She has never, she's only met, she's only known for like five minutes and they're supposed to just reproduce. And this is supposed to be okay. I was like, okay. So playing devil's advocate, uh, how many, how many human males do you think she, they encounter at that station on a regular basis? She said, she's never seen another human being exactly and her father's probably like oh god i'm, I'm he's, like, he's like all right i don't care first guy i see i don't care what he looks like you know you having babies with him because we gotta get this popping because you're not getting any younger i'm not saying it's right and shout out shout out oh shout out to the robots for doing like picture perfect like robot like breakdancing moves like like some of those dudes were killing it like yeah they're like whoop whoop I was like, okay, shit. And shout out to Richard Thomas and um, Shad for being in one of the precursors to a sex chair with like all the bound, with, like all the handcuffs and like neck cuffs and stuff. Like, I guess he was going to make about, sure that he wasn't going anywhere. Uh-uh. How about <laughs> shout out to Richard Thomas's character, Shad, for being like, um, no, this is not <laughs> what we're going to do. You are not going to kidnap me and force me to mate with her just because you're lonely absolutely not and and give him credit for trying to get her to come with him he's mm. telling her this wonderful Dinner story guardians. and whatnot and he's like touching her face he's literally trying to seduce her and be like you can come with me and he's like i don't know he's like okay well bye you come <laughs> with me, baby. and she and what does she do she comes anyway in her own ship so he didn't even tell her daddy bye no. So that's actually the first, right there. <laughs> yeah, but you know okay. where Shad's priorities are because what was the first thing he said to her? No weapons. Right. Like, really? <laughs> no weapons. Look, the way that Shad in general reacted to women in this movie was hysterical. We'll get to the Valkyrie later. <laughs> but he basically Ooh. 
Rams a game on this girl. And she's sitting there going, huh, you know what? I think I might want some of that. Next thing you know, she's on the ship. Okay, so we'll, we'll consider her his first recruit. And then, um, then he's directed to a planet, I guess, similar to Moss Isley with the, you know, scum of the earth, the villainous mercenaries all gathered there. He gets there and there's nobody there. They're all gone. The only person there is Robert Vaughn, who plays Gelt. Gelt is surrounded by all this money and wealth. And he's like, yeah, I can't spend it because I'm basically a wanted man everywhere. No, no, no. You are skipping ahead. No, we are not doing this. We are not skipping ahead. So first of all, Shad has to go underground because that's apparently where all of the people of the planet have have retreated to because there's like a lot of turbulence and lightning and storms on the surface. So he gets down there. He approaches this, this kind of console that has like all these buttons and neon lights and he starts pushing buttons. First of all, who starts just pushing buttons on a machine that you don't know what it does on a planet that you're not sure about? Okay, so he starts pushing the buttons and the neon lights start lighting up and it lights in different, uh, in two like foreign uh, languages. And then at the top, it's, what did it say? It, it, drug, dis- drug dispenser or something. Yeah, it it, it basically dispenses. Oh, di- it was like dial, dial for drugs or dial for drugs, yeah, dial like a drug or something like that. And he's sitting there looking at it and he presses some buttons And then he's about to leave and the thing disperses some pills. He picks it up and he's about to put the pill in his mouth. And I'm like, stupid, don't do that. You don't know what those pills do. You don't know what kind of effect they're going to have on you, your your human or your Akir body. So right before he, you know, puts it in his mouth, he sits it down. He goes to the next console, does the same thing, presses some buttons. And this one is like dial-a-date. So then he it 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 does this thing where it starts showing you um not your pictures, different but options. Yes, your, your different, different options for a date. So you've got these women who are like scantily clad and they're in these weird supposedly sexy positions and then when he actually makes a choice for one it opens up and she's sitting there and she's like I don't even know what to describe. She, it's like she's molded. She's old. She's got cobwebs. Like she hasn't been used. And he's still sitting there looking like these women are. T- I was like, this is so fucking problematic. Like, why? I mean, you know, I mean, they, they've been there a while. It's like, you know, they haven't had a chance to like switch out their inventory, I guess. I mean, you know, she just. Seems like- <sighs> the fact that there's inventory like that at all. It was just. I was like, oh, I've seen this in in various other movies. You know, you always have the the scenes where people go into the strip into the strip halls, and then um, you know, there's the little back room where you can stick a quarter and you get to like view. I, that's what it reminded me of, and I was just like, it's 1980, Hanako. It's 1980. It's 1980. This was stuff that they put in movies in 1980, but it was just, it was so weird. And then, of course while he's standing there he gets shot at by guilt and now you can go into your description of guilt because you were not about to skip all of that <laughs> okay so uh guilt is a mercenary who is wanted you know he said he has a bounty on every known planet 
So um, he has all this money. He can't spend it, all this wealth. And Shad say, well, I'm sorry. I'm not going to waste your time. I don't, we don't have any money. All we have is, you know, our culture. We're, we're rich in culture. He's like, you know what? I'll take that. A meal and a place to hide. No, what did he say before that? He said, I eat seven serpents a week. Yeah, yeah that, that's a pretty sad life. He's living down there, you know, with, with the lowest life forms. And it's just him by himself with all the money and no place to spend it. He looks healthy for someone who was barely eating, though. Seven serpents a week. And he's like, I'm very good at what I do. (laughs) So, you know, he's like, okay, well, there we go. We got another one. Mm -hmm. Now, the interesting thing about Robert Vaughn and Gelt is he was in The Magnificent Seven playing basically the same character. (laughs) (laughs) And and if you've ever seen The Magnificent Seven, not the recent one, but, but the one with Robert Vaughn in it, you would hear a lot of the lines that Gilt has are, are very similar to the lines he has. Is I think Lee was his name, either. Yeah, I think it was Lee. Mm. In the Magnificent, he basically was repeating the same character <laughs> and dialogue that he had. Roger Corman is cheap, you know. It is what it is, and and it worked. And Robert Vaughn got paid twice for the same movie, basically. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and who are you going to tell Robert Vaughn? You can't use those lines. It's just. It, really you're gonna tell robert vaughn not not to play the same character he just played no no you're, no. you're not gonna do that you can let him do what he wants to do because every time robert vaughn was a pretty big deal so i feel like we missed something like somebody else came before him did he um, meet cowboy first was before him cowboy was um, before him okay so we yeah, got we, cowboy yeah, we did cowboy we did him um i don't think he met the nesters yet now Earl Bowen was one of the nesters. Oh yeah, uh, and, yeah, and the and the nesters, yeah. The the nesters, which were always for some reason my favorite, I guess because their ship was just so different. <laughs> so the nesters beam him aboard. He come he comes across the nesters. They they beam him aboard, and the nesters are basically a race of clones. There is they say there is one nester. It is they're basically hive mind. They're the Borg. Let's just let's call it what it is. Mm-hmm. But they're not assimilating anyone. They're just out sampling, trying to live life, and, and they're only interested in adventures. So they, they, they just want to be a part of it so they can experience battle and life because they said that they're afraid they're going to be bored to death. <laughs> I love how they say they only need four to carry a ship. And he's like, why? Well, why are there five? He's like, well, we always carry a spare. Like, he's a tire <laughs> it was just awesome I'm sorry it was I mean, as soon, when that scene came on Mark says to me remind you of anything and he's pointing at like a, like a box set of Star Trek and those of, T- of TOS he goes remind you of anything I'm like yes I know this is Star Trek I understand that and he's like okay let's go back to the movie I mean when I say that this man was hyped to watch this movie even though he's seen it like 19 times before he was literally as they were speaking, mouthing lines, okay? Their makeup and that fake-ass looking eye on their head, that distracted me so bad. You can thank James Cameron for that. Exactly, yeah. Way to go, James. It was so bad. It was so bad. They they didn't have a lot of money. They they didn't have a lot of money. 
You could have gotten supposed... a kindergartner to color in their eye and cut it out and place it on their head and it would have looked better than I feel like that was the last the little hood thing with your face the the makeup right Right around here yeah I think the eye was the last minute addition I I don't think I don't think they planned for that but I'm just look as as the movie progressed right and they went to the next and the next and it's like they kept getting weirder and (laughs) and as as they met each people that were going to help them I'm like Oh, this is good. I almost burnt breakfast because they kept going to different people going, oh, I want to see this. Oh, I mean, I was transfixed. Well, the 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 issue the problem is Roger Corman is not really big on he didn't direct this, but I'm sure he was there every day. He's not big on on character development. And he there's always been people talking about him ripping out pages of scripts because he just we don't have the time for this. And I felt a lot of that in this movie because the characters have no development they are who they are this is what they are and we move on you know we don't get a lot of backstory or background or any development the movie's an hour and 35 hour, hour and 40 41 minutes. <laughs> hour and 41 minutes yeah not including the credits you know <laughs> or including the credits but yeah, um, the credits weren't that long I mean, they weren't that long either. So they were doing good. Most of the special effects people were like, uh, though you ain't got to put us in the credits, man. We're good. You ain't got to do all that. You know, <laughs> James yeah, could only do so much by himself. I mean, he really could. <laughs> so we get the nesters and, and they join. Oh, before that, though, I, I always forget her name, but he told her, Shad told her to meet meet him back at the Kier. Like, yeah, why didn't you just take her with you? I keep wanting to say Nutella. That's why I don't say her name. <laughs> Nanelia. Well, and you know. for years. <laughs> you're saying N- N- Nutella. Uh, so I was just thinking, okay, but we got to go. We got to talk about the Zyme, the protein cloud of different colors <laughs> that tried to, uh, that tried to consume Nanelia's ship. And then she's rescued by Cayman and the, the Kelvins. And that whole weird, like <laughs> weird dynamic. Yeah, it got weirder. Yeah. Weirder. It, yeah. So, so he told her. Shad told her to meet him. You know, and she had to go through the lambda sector. Mm-hmm. And as she's going through the lambda sector, her defenseless ship, she gets attacked by a cloud of something, <laughs> and she gets rescued by Cayman of the Lambda Sector, who's this reptilian-looking dude. Um, he brings her on his ship. He bounds her. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because there, there was this thing where where uh, there was a viewfinder pack of this. Where, you know, the viewfinder thing? <laughs> yeah. And, oh, my God. In the oh marketing materials. And it one of them was an image oh of, of, of a bondage God. image of her with, with Cayman, which is very interesting. Oh, that's I mean, her and her and not um civil danny i mean that seems no. like something more civil no. would be um yeah, no. <clears throat> no so <laughs> my question was okay the reason he brought her onto the ship because while she was while her ship was being consumed by the zyme which is the colorful cloud protein monster whatever it is um he shoots it and she gets she gets knocked out so he well, she was knocked her. out. She was knocked out while it was attacking. 
Yeah. So, but but she out. was still she was still unconscious when she was on the ship because we see her and she's she's bound and she's hanging from the ceiling. Now my my daughter looked and she said, "Okay, one, if she's unconscious, how is she holding on to the to the to the <laughs> beam above her?" And then two, usually if you're in, and those of you who are just listening, you cannot see what I'm doing, but I'm holding my hands above me like I'm I'm being bound from above. Usually, if you're unconscious. Your head is going to be dangling. Her head was just straight up and she was just sitting there. And then she wakes up and she's just like, oh, what's good? I was like. Details, details, details. You, details. Details. you, you, you don't need all that. Yeah. You, you pay attention <laughs> to the wrong thing. You're, you're looking at the wrong thing. Look at those <laughs> stuff. Don't look at that. Okay, so let's talk about these Kelvins then. These little the creatures Kelvin. who apparently communicate with heat. Oh, God. Yes, the Kelvins later... We learned that they do not have ears for an important scene. Michaela uh, was they like, communicate "How do they hear?" Degrees of heat. So how do they hear? Because they were sitting there talking no to idea. them and, I, and giving them instructions. I, I think they, they were they 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 talking again. Details again. <laughs> <laughs> no, the 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 Nestor are telepathic. I don't think I don't know if they, well, but I would assume maybe the Kelvins are telepathic, but. It's probably not since they communicate in temperature. So I guess they gauge the, <laughs> they read the room. You know, that's how they communicate. No way. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, uh, but the Kelvins are appropriately named Kelvin because of the Kelvin scale, because of the heat thing, which naming conventions really, you know, <laughs> Nestor, <laughs> N- Nutella. Shad. Her name is not Nutella. (laughs) (laughs) And their names were, I know you wrote this down. Um, I know you wrote their names down, Mike. Thorum and um, I can't remember the other one's name, but they're like Jewish gods or Jewish mythological things. It's like Gelt's name is Jewish for gold, which Mm. is... Oh my God, I missed that. I I, I don't know who on set was doing that. (laughs) John Sales wrote the script um, was a screenwriter and John Sills, you know, has written a ton of really good things. Um, about <laughs> the brother from another Look, planet. Everybody's got to start somewhere. Everybody's brother start brother somewhere. from another planet. He wrote Classic. that. The Howling, Eight Men Out, just to name a few. So I'm, I'm sure at the time he was, you know, starting out trying to get it right. Okay, so. <laughs> Anyway, so so she joined. So um, Cayman is when he finds out what they're doing. Cayman is like, okay, well, he knows who Sador is. Sador wiped out his people, and he's like supposed to be the last one of his kind left. So of course, he and the Kelvins are going to join because he wants his revenge. You forgot his um, his Hercules looking uh, bodyguard or what? Somebody he oh. had. Yeah, whoever that was. I forgot his. You only see him in like a couple of scenes. I think the the next time you really see him, he's throwing a spear at one of the enemies. But I was like, look, yeah, he has. I have the poster up here behind me on on the LCD screen. He's actually on the poster with his spear, and with the rest of the cast, I'm like, you you weren't really that important. He didn't even have a line. He didn't. He didn't even open his mouth. Look, the way he introduced. I'm, I'm making a funny here. The way he introduced him, that was his boo. He was like, oh, yeah, that's Gelt. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, it's just that's the way it seemed like. Yeah, he was like, yeah, that's my boyfriend. I mean, seriously. 
that it was so abrupt and so fast. And like you said, he shows up like one other time. I, I'm yeah. sorry. And that's I, it. And that's it. <laughs> okay, so uh, we gotta talk about we gotta talk about Saint X Men now. So oh now, God. now, now, uh, Shad is you know flying around and. He gets attacked by this little bumblebee type ship that's flying around. <laughs> and, you know, Neil is like, oh, they just want to play. He's like, I don't have time for this. And we're introduced to a Valkyrie, Saint X-Men, played by <laughs> the beautiful Sybil Danning. Yep. The Sybil Danning of, Skin- of Skinamax fame. Of the many, many things that you know I've watched in my youth. I was gonna say you sound mom, very excited like, about that, Mike. <laughs> I was I, I saw her, I was like, oh shit, I remember her. Like someone like I mean, it's like Skinamax was a very important part of my, you know, in middle and high school years. Like most most guys. Come on now. Stop, stop looking at me like that. And you know, you know, good dog on well, you watch Skinamax too. You you are not doing that. I grew up me. in the country, you only had three channels. <laughs> I don't know what yeah, you're talking whatever. about. Whatever. No, it's that, yeah. yeah. Anthony was I, probably I one of those people. You know how you have the um back then, the, 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 it was like yeah. the That's fuzzy screen, but if you turn the knob just the right way, you could kind of clear the clear the image up no, just a little. No, I had antenna. I only had three. No, see, that, that's why that's why I see you can, you can tell cable. who did that because they all I have glasses. Up, I didn't have cable. I didn't have cable till I was graduating high school. Oh my. <laughs> I know I never spent any weekends at my cousin Trail's house <laughs> watching anything like what you're talking about. Oh, that and never then happened. Called him out. <laughs> oh God! He called him out. <sighs> but okay, so when we're introduced anyway, to her, Valkyrie, first of all, um, Saint Xman. Why does she look like she had like her headpiece was like styrofoam and glitters? It looked like something that was done in a second grade art classroom. Heavy Metal Magazine. James Cameron. That was straight out of Heavy Metal Magazine. They didn't have money. They didn't have money to do all the things that you're asking about. I mean, look at... I mean, it's like you, can't, you, can't, you can't have a really gorgeous crown when everything else is made of star, styrofoam, cardboard, and it said duct tape. I mean, well, how's that going to look? I, I, I'm more concerned the fact that when we first meet her, she's sort of... What would be the word for Elevated sort of... <laughs> Like she's laying on like a chair. She's reclined. Why? Why, why is her like... ship? Why is her ship's <laughs> cockpit designed that way for her to be laying down? <laughs> right there. Uh, but you know that that's problematic hmm. in and of itself. However, I, her, it. I, just, I was surprised, well, Hanako. You didn't say her headpiece was made up of more material than her costume. Well, her you know, I was costume. getting to that because, I, and and I don't have a problem with her costume because okay, if that's if that's what your battle gear is that's fine the problem i had with her costume was the way that it was designed because there were certain parts of okay of course so her costume is like this real short skimpy there's like cut out pieces and i don't have a problem with that the problem that i had was the was the way that it was designed it was weird because obviously they have a lot of her cleavage out they have, you know, cutouts showing parts of her boobs, but the way one side was cut, it's like it exposed the middle part of her breast and covered the bottom, so it looks like she has no nipple. It was just so <laughs> weird. 
I think they were trying to hide. They were trying to make sure they didn't show more than what they were supposed to. Okay, but the way that the, I I guess because like I said, the way that the the part of the costume there that was exposed, it would have gone right across where her nipple was supposed to be, but where they had it covered, it was either way up top. No, this is the second 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 one. Oh, you're in the second second costume. Well, I can't. I I have no comment on the second costume. (laughs) Well, that costume, I'm surprised the costume was able to stay on her the way that it did. I Uh, mean, the other one was was basically basically two hands holding her up. So it's like, you know, it just had like the Kung Fu grip on her her um, breast. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. but I see what you're saying. The the second one was like straps. Mm-hmm. But, the, but they used the, the the staple of the late seventies eighties, and they used the black spandex. I mean, don't forget they had bolts and bolts of that material back then. And like I said, I don't have a problem with the actual way the costume looked. I mean, because I mean, you think about the way that they design costumes for women. Like, okay, women are going into battle, but you know, the men have have all the armor and stuff, but the women are supposed to be exposed and scantily clad. And this is how they're supposed to fight. Okay. It's the eighties. I, again, I understand that's how they used to design, but it was just the, it's like the strategic parts of the costume that were there. They didn't make any sense from a female standpoint. You're like, wait, it's covering a spot where you think her nipple is, but her nipple anatomically would not be there. Okay, right? see that, that, I guess that would be the, yeah. the thing. It's like, That's it's thing. not where ours are, but it's like it was covering her under boob and her top boob and it was exposed in the middle. It was just really weird, a weird design. And I okay. was just like... But okay. but can we talk about how... I love he, how this how, turned into an anatomy class, I'm like, discussing... <laughs> right, so we're, we're going to move on from there. Um, <laughs> can we? Because I know Hanako really wants to talk about how Shad addressed Valkyrie in such a dismissive and misogynistic way. Like, we don't need you. you you're small. You can't fight. I mean, <laughs> why, are you, why are you even bothering me? Okay, so yes, that was a problem. But at the same time, I will say... I couldn't blame him because she came into this playing a fucking game. This dude is trying to go save his people and you want to play hide and go seek in space. We ain't got time for that. And then the way that she, I don't know, something about something about her care, the way her character is written. It's like, she's supposed to be this, you know, from this proud race of warriors, but they made her sound like a ditz. You know what I'm saying? It it was just, it was one of those weird things. Like she's supposed to be all powerful, but she sounds like she doesn't really have much going on in her head. Like like her conversation with Nutella. Oh, oh God. The conversation about <laughs> sorry, sex, when I tell you, Mania. when she was describing that Michaela was turned to, she was turned to the back of the couch on her phone and she started hearing the description. She was like, oh my God, oh my God, what the fuck? What? I said, she's talking about sex, not battle. And then she says sex. And I was like, both of us were like, oh, really? Really? Like those, if she said that, because, you know, there are some people that were watching and not know that she was talking about sex. So they just had to make sure that they knew she was talking about sex. It was so cringeworthy. If I, you I, were watching so that and did not know she was talking about sex, then you probably don't need to be watching that. Let's just say much, I will yeah. rearrange his whatever and do this and that. Like, wow. Okay. I started to write it down so that I could, like, you know, 
read what it said. And I was like, I cannot let that come out of my mouth. It's just, it's so poor. Oh my goodness. It was so bad. And then she throws in the, don't worry, I'll teach you or whatever stuff. And I'm going, really? I mean, first of all, they made me sort of like a, like a very dumbed down, sexed up uh, fembot from a $6 million man for one thing. Um, The other thing is that I think that when they have characters in these movies like this, they they want to show women to be warriors, but at that time that these films were made, they still couldn't get over the sexual component of the character, so they made them like that. I mean, if you look at any movie from this time, none of the women were badass. I mean, you didn't get badass women until, like, Terminator. I mean, really. I mean, this was probably the best you were going to get, especially with the Roger Corman film. Right. I mean, Princess Leia was pretty badass. Princess Leia, but, but that yeah. was the mm-hmm. exception versus the rule. Yeah. And but and, and also, you're not that far away as far as her sex being sexualized. You're not that far away from Captain Kirk and Green Alien Lady. This is true. I digress. This is true. Um, and, and plus, it's like, I mean, Sybil Danning is just basically just talking about what she knows. It's like, yeah. You know. I, I do I do the 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 funny thing though, at least not even funny, but like at the end of the conversation when she says, stick with me, you'll get an education. Like what does she really what does she mean by that? <laughs> no, the other funny the other funny uh line that came um as they were going out into battle and Shad and Nanelia were in the uh ship together, she was asking him about um teaching you know we show me the ropes you know asking basically <laughs> asking him to teach her about sex and she says um i think she says something about is it just the two species or two genders or something he was like man and woman <laughs> yes and she says well on such and such planet it's th- it, it takes three michaela and i fell out laughing she was like see it's not so <laughs> that there's more than two genders oh my god we were cracking up laughing yeah. at that because she was like oh. but then after that she says your torque wrench has slipped this groove <laughs> he's like but, Wait, she, uh? but she wasn't even th- because they were mm. kissing and then she says this all of a sudden he's just like huh and she's talking about like an actual piece of machinery right. so i was like okay i guess the kiss wasn't all that great for her but but the sexual innuendo though your torque wrench has slipped this it was very heavy in this film okay let me let me go to another part that i that i have a problem with on on two fronts so while shad is out gathering these mercenaries to come and back uh to come and protect this planet there are two of the um what was sador's group called again maomori there there were two maomori in a ship that was supposed to be watching the planet. <laughs> you know exactly where I'm about to go. I was gonna so get there, while they're yeah. watching the planet, there is a ceremony taking place down on the ground, a bonding ceremony so that these two people can procreate, okay? They're looking at this ceremony. They're like, ooh, women, let's go get some. We wanna have, you know, we wanna have some fun too or whatever. So they go to the planet, they beam up Shad's sister. And later on, when they're in the thick of battle, one of them, um, one of them, the, the pilot, is telling the other one to come 
help him. He's like, I'm kind of busy right now. So when he finally comes up front, he's putting his clothes together, obviously, you know, giving us the impression that he's back there having his way with Shad's sister. Shad's sister comes up to the front and she's disheveled. Her clothes are torn and she starts messing with the console so that they can't, you know, control anything. And Gelt blows up the ship. Okay, not knowing that Shad's sister is on it. But here's the thing that really gets me, aside from the fact that they just kidnapped this woman and was just having their way with her, whatever. Nobody ever tells Shad that his sister was kidnapped and he doesn't realize that she has been killed. They never mention her not once, once Shad gets back to the planet. I, I think that page was ripped out of the script that day because i was like i said is nobody gonna tell shad that the reason why they're scared to come and greet these new people is because his sister was abducted and she's gone and they don't not one word he doesn't even ask about his sister when he comes back doesn't ask about her i don't remember i don't remember him saying that was for his sister but at the very at the very beginning when they were having their little council around the table and shad volunteers to go look for the mercenaries and zed says something to him about you're too young boy and she says my brother is the only one who can fly zed's ship yeah that's true that's true Uh, i think that's i think that page got ripped the whole scene was sort of unnecessary because Gil was going to blow the ship up anyway. So we already knew the Maori were terrible people. You didn't really have to reiterate that point. Right. But yeah, it is what it is. Right. The the overall sexualization. You you take the the character and you, you obviously, you make it obvious that her character is being sexually assaulted. Yeah. And then you kill her off, and nobody ever says anything about her for the rest of the movie. Yeah, the the sexualization of women and objectification of women in in this movie is problematic. But again, it's nineteen eighty. Mm-hmm. The the we we are more aware and conscious of that that type of thing. Yeah, even though it still goes on a little bit now, um, but this movie <laughs> is. D- despite its faults and, and having that that problem, it I, I find it still has some value. It, I mean, it was it was a it was a fun movie, but it was just again me not having watched it back then. It wasn't like it didn't have a nostalgic feel for me. So all I could do was just look at it and laugh, like, "Oh my god, movies have come so far <laughs> since mm-hmm. 1980s." But it, it was a fun movie, but I mean, the problematic parts I knew were going to be p- problematic because like you said, it was filmed in the 1980s and a lot of the um, attitudes about how they treated women in, in film back then were, they simply would not be acceptable today, but still yeah. it's like looking at it, it's, you see just how bad it was and it's just kind of like, oh, so cringeworthy. Right. Like speaking of George Papard, it's just like Breakfast at Tiffany's. Like Breakfast at Tiffany's is a great movie, but it's it has so many problems, hugely problematic scenes with Mickey Rooney pretending to be be an Asian gentleman and relying on a heavy, heavy, like like Asian accent mm-hmm. that was like borderline. It was it was borderline like a 
like a hate it was ba- his role is basically a hate crime mm-hmm. like it was just terrible yeah but it's but but i mean it was like the rest of the movie like had great value like rg hepburn's performance was awesome george Papard was outstanding in that movie but it's like they're like problematic problematic themes in it and it's just like you know you like you said it just shows how far movies have come like as far as like not showing like gar- like people in garbage roles like that mm-hmm we, why do I feel like we forgot somebody that was part of the mercenary team? Did we get the lizard them? guy? The lizard guy. No, we, no, we, we talked about Cayman. Cayman. We got Valkyrie. We got Cayman. We got the two Kelvins. We got the Nesters. Nesters. We got Cowboy. Okay, I guess we did. I guess we did. And get everybody. Gaul. Yeah, that's it. And and the Nelia. Yes, um, her name is not Nutella. <laughs> uh, I have a okay. See, I have a problem too. I have, I have a problem with the whole the whole enemy portion of this movie. Like I have a problem with with um wasn't it John Saxton's character saying that we're gonna take over your world and destroy everything. We'll be back in seven days. Then he's just like to prove his like might, he goes and obliterates he obliterates another planet, doesn't he? Like metal in or Unmetal? Yes. But he yes. he did that because he sent an emissary to that planet, and they sent the emissary back in ashes. So that's why he destroyed that planet. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, and it's like he was like, you're like, you know what? I'll be back in seven days. Then I'm gonna destroy your planet. Like, who? Like, why? It's like, and then he only had 25 ships, and he's he's over here taking taking over everything. Well, yeah, because he has a star ships. destroyer. He, he not star. He has a Death Star. He can blow up your whole planet. The he's Death just, Star he's had bully. hundreds of Tie Fighters on that. Yeah, it was a moon. Hundreds. Yeah, he had twenty five ships. Yeah, and he, he already lost one. He was a bully. Yeah, he, he, he already lost one. He, and he, then it's he's like not, he can't conquer the whole galaxy. So he's basically like this guy who goes around and threatens planets to take all the resources. He's a gangster. He's not a conqueror or whatever. He's just really a gangster and a bully who wants to live forever. That's all. That's all he is. Here's the other thing. Um, Akir's, um, I guess it was like their weapon system or their their alarm system. Why did the alarm go off? Like the alarm went off. They lifted the alarm and then all of a sudden this huge ass ship is just all over the planet, like completely covering them. I'm like, what kind of warning system is that? Like it was literally two seconds. <laughs> and then the whole ship was above the whole uh, <laughs> village, whatever you want to call it. I was like, they didn't get no warning. And then they're just standing there just looking at it like. What? Y'all? It's basically like a smoke alarm when you wake up and there's already smoke in the room. It's like. You could have warned me like yeah that was funny as all get out they were just like and then oh my god that scene everybody getting shot and falling down was the <laughs> that second dude I was like, who Wait fell a minute. and then fell over into the hole and was kind of <laughs> oh no so over dramatic yeah it was, was hilarious, hilarious. Yeah. I was like, oh Classic. my god the, the the yeah a lot of those scenes are, are fun um, where he takes the where Sador takes Nestor's arm and installs it on himself, <laughs> but it's funny because he tell, he yeah, asks the Nestor, he catches a Nestor, and the Nestor, Nestor is like, Oh, we have he captured one, we'll hear it. How did he, he capture him? Sees. 
I have no freaking clue. They, did, they yeah, said he volunteered. Yeah. The Nestor volunteered to be, to captured, be captured. But how? But so like, that they can, so that they. I never, never saw him it. get captured. They never showed but, it. I think their page got ripped oh. out of the script as well. So, <laughs> so, so he's he's like, how 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 are how are you with pain? And that's just like, <laughs> I'm not well with pain at all. Pain at all. At all. <laughs> he's, he's like, okay. <laughs> This is my pain guy. He's going to get the information out of you. He, I'm like, he just told you he don't do well with pain. He cut his arm off and he dies. <laughs> was it just oh. me? Or were those blades made of pink tissue paper? No, paper. That was 100% paper. They were 100% made of paper. There's no way that was made Again, of anything solid. James Cameron, anything. he could only work with what he had. He did the best he could. <laughs> That's why. That's why they had. To, that's why I had to go so fast. So you could like develop a paper cut and cut your way through like the world's worst paper cut, just like. But you and know, then, of course, they start controlling the arm. Yeah. So so yeah. So Sidor has the doctor install Nestor's arm on him, and of course, the Nestors can kind of control each other. So they they were going to try to have him off himself with the knife, which is an interesting scene. <laughs> but um yeah uh, like how did they know where his knife was well they would like seen and i'm surprised they have they, they, they'd have arm go like this like wait here no here, remember no. they saw well, everything they saw yeah everything i was gonna say they so saw they everything through yeah. the other nester's eyes so so they the know, other okay. nester would have seen it before it died yeah but i guess that's why they keep a spare <laughs> yeah, i guess exactly it's very tired <laughs> just sacrifice despair <laughs> we'll be okay Speaking of special effects, For, hold, hold on. Thing... Why, why would you design a ship that mm-hmm. requires four people to fly it? Why would you do that? Call the Tartarus. <laughs> why would you do that? But anyway, I'm just saying it's called the Tartarus. I don't know. I, I to be honest, but it I, was fun. It, I, I, I always, yeah. I always, even now, like even today, watching it, I was sitting there on the edge of my seat. Are they going to be able to do it? Are they going to be able to do it? Yep. It's like, help me, help me. Cut it off, cut it off. I, I always get excited about that scene. It's one of my I, favorite scenes. I was so transfixed. Like I said, I almost burnt breakfast because I just kept watching. I kept getting sucked in. I kept watching. And it's like at the end, I was like, okay, okay, I got I got to go do this. Or I'm going to, yeah, I mean, you get sucked in that last half and you're just like, oh, are they going to do it? And then, you know, as each one of right. them does their heroic, you know, bid for the 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 movie it's like oh this is good oh this is real here's my thing and i firmly believe this if we had not had star wars in 77 i believe that this movie could have been a huge hit i really believe that because it's actually a solid movie that's at least my two cents yeah i guess i could i could see that also um shout out to one the pilot of one of the the memories um the, the fighter pilots, he looked he looked like Daft Punk, like hitting an NPC player. Like he was just like sitting there, he was like <laughs> I kept expecting I kept expecting to hear harder, better, faster, stronger. I was like, wait a minute, what the hell is he doing? Like, how do you fly a ship like that? And it's like it's just like um what's the name? The Valkyrie like laying there. I'm wondering if the if Sybil Danning had it written in her script that she when she was in her ship that she had to breathe heavily. And like have have heavy breasts and move her body like this while she was flying and doing all this other stuff just to like show that she was who she was. I was just like, because every time you saw her, she was just laying back, laying back, like, 
She looked really, really comfortable in her shit. That's all. I'm she was say. very comfortable. In her she shit, looked right? really comfortable. I was just confused. Like, why is she reclining <laughs> back like that? Like, like she's sitting there, and the whole time she's not really doing anything else up until the time right before she blows everything up, you know, within her vicinity, so that she can, you know, she sacrifices herself and goes out in this big, beautiful death, and she takes, I think, a couple of memorial ships with her, but. She's sitting there the whole time, kind of, it's almost like you see people, how they, um, how they end up flat against the back of their seat when the ships are going at warp speed, like they're going so fast, they just can't move. That's how she was the whole mm-hmm. time in her ship. Mm-hmm. Well, you may have answered the question. They may have thought this through because her ship is built on speed and maybe being in that position is good for quick movements and whatnot i don't know oh, also okay. it's sybil danning laying down on her back <laughs> <laughs> okay I, I'll, I'll i'll take that um uh, the other thing that was so funny to me as far as special effects go because okay some of the special effects in this film yeah i i know it was the 80s but oh my goodness like some of it was like really really bad they didn't have money. But I know. I they know. They didn't have the money. He, he know, had to do it himself. James so Cameron was Kelvins, on his own. So when the Kelvins are, distro- they're using their heat to destroy that sonic tank that's emitting the sonic frequencies that's causing everybody to, you know, have problems with their hearing. And they turn around and they emit the same heat towards some of the soldiers the little dot that was this that was so bad it was awesome it was so bad it was awesome that, that was awesome i agree was with not Lauren. Awesome. it was awesome it was Look, i had to pause the tv i had to pause the tv because i had tears coming out of my eyes because i was laughing so hard like what the fuck is this what and then they yeah. just fall down because they've expended all of their heat. Oh my goodness! And they took to, take them to a protein bath. Back to back to tank. <laughs> back to tank. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, I, that's what I that's, that's what I got making the list. That's what I got my phone. I start making lists. Okay, I, I called it. Go, old man dies a terrible death, or he dies of a heart attack. Check in it. Next scene, there it was. I mean, it was so good. I mean, like I said, I got sucked in. And it kept getting worse and it kept getting cheesier and cheesier. And I'm going, oh, this is the greatest movie ever. When the Memori soldiers were shooting at the Akir people and, and the they- Akir people are jumping over <laughs> the laser. <laughs> and they missed. One guy didn't even get hit by laser being killed over dead. I mean, come on. Hey, there's great. precedent. There's precedence for this. The stormtroopers never hit I know, anything. I know. I yeah. know. but to see them jumping to to see them jumping to avoid the lasers that was just funny that was hysterical because the lasers weren't hitting anything anyway no they weren't they weren't yeah even when they were fighting in space like y'all should have hit that valkyrie so many times and her ship is just going like there's no evasive uh, maneuvers being used and you guys can't hit. How the hell are you going around dominating planets if you can't even hit a single ship? Yeah. That, <laughs> I mean, 
there's precedent. There was two Star Wars movies that showed you that the, the Empire, the evil people cannot shoot straight. That is a trope in all science fiction. Oh my it just goodness. can't. Also, when they when they brought forth the sonic tank, like when you see the first guy fall down holding his ears, and it's like then you see blood gushing yes. out of his ears, and no one else had blood gushing out of his ears. Like George Parr was just like, that's loud. Why is that so loud? Like you see anything, everyone, it's like you have one guy with blood like pouring. He out was of his closer ears. to like, it, that's why. Of course, yes, mm-hmm. that's exactly. Oh, and why. let's talk about the green, the green quote unquote blood when cowboys <laughs> stabbed him. I, I swear his hand was already covered with blood before he stabbed him, right? I think, that's it, what, was. I think it was. I was like, I don't remember this. Did they add this scene later? Because I don't remember no. this part. <laughs> oh, and then, oh, here's the other funny thing. So when they're on Sator's ship and he tells them to bring out the what was the what was the name of the big weapon? The what was it? The solar uh it's the celestial. It was a stellar something. But anyway, when he's telling them to lower the shields and ready the weapon, the controls were those little um were those little globe things that you used to get at the sharper image, and it's mm-hmm. like as you move your hand over in the light. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. <laughs> 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 1980s. 1980s. I just got to remember. I mean... Late I'm, 70s, I, to be honest, which because filming started probably in 78. Right, right. right. Yeah, so so. I'm, I'm sitting here giving you a hard time, Anthony, but the, the movie was fun, but oh my goodness. My Michaela was looking and she said, You tell Mr. Liggins that you are a good friend <laughs> for watching this. And then she said, Wait, she says, Is this like one of his favorite movies? Because I would feel bad if I'm sitting here panning it and it's like one of his absolute favorites. She said, But it's just it's so bad. But she doesn't she doesn't really care for like sci-fi in general. So anything that takes place in space, she just looks at it like, okay, I just, I don't get it. It's just not her, it's not her genre. But she was like, you tell him you are a good friend for watching this so he can talk about it on the podcast. You are a good friend. You tell him I said. That's called the stellar converter. converter. Yes, that. Um, Uh, And then of course you you have George Papard doing the, I'm going to go self-sacrifice myself. He's like, you're pretty. Kisses her and then walks off. I'm like, I lost it. He goes, no, 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 no. What he does, he kisses her and he says, you pretty. Thing. You pretty and then he guy. walks away. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it was so good. And, and, and then, <laughs> the part where he's smoking and Shad says, are you putting smoke into your body? <laughs> he's like, yep. And let me tell you something. It's not a good thing to do. Not a good thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> like the PN saying, I was cracking up, but but what was so what was so bad? It's 1980, so he actually really probably was smoking at the time. All of them were probably smoking on sale. Right. Probably, actually, probably actually drinking scotch. But you didn't oh, see all the smoke in Robert's Va- in um guilt ship, right? Yes. You did- yeah, he was smoking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> he is, was, that was literally smoking in between takes. But but guilt. At the, the next scene, when Gelt, 
you know, says whatever, and he walks out, and Robert Vaughn sort of is in the middle of, like, the, the staging area, and he looks up, and he's got that I'm gonna be a hero look on his face. All he needed to do was put his hands on his hips and go, yes, I am a defender, and it would have been good. I no, mean, let me tell you what was the funny thing about Gelt's character. <laughs> when Gelt was dying at the end, and he started Thank you. Yeah, we need to, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, all, all that all that other talk about being stoic and being the cold killer, and then he he starts that he's like, and then when he dies, he's dying on this like he like he like puts his lips back together like okay, I'm good. Uh, and then when they were getting ready to bury him, Michaela says, is he still breathing? I can see him. <laughs> again, again, you're paying attention to the wrong thing. This is a little thing. You're no, paying attention the, to the wrong thing. The thing she should have been paying attention to was when Shag said, go fix a meal. Oh, yeah. bury him with oh. it. And the galaxy seemed like, what? 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 Yeah. <laughs> like, that, yeah, was our that was our arrangement. So I'm going to get this man his meal. I don't know when he's going to eat it, but at least he can't say <laughs> hey. I reneged on my... <laughs> exactly. Hey, John Boy, John Boy was... John Boy was a real one for that. I got to give him I give his props for that. He He's a man of his word. You mean Shad? To it. Shad, yeah. John Shad. Boy. <gasps> Shad Boy. Shad John now, Boy. I, I am... I, the one thing... Well, there's a lot of things, but the main thing that I was sort of upset about was how Zed went out. I thought that was like the lamest way for Zev the Corsair to be killed, mm-hmm. considering he told us he was a warrior and whatnot. But it's like, is he supposed to be blind? Yes. Or not? I know, right? I'm just saying, I thought- yes. There were times when yeah. you're like, you ain't blind, dude. Stop playing. He was blind. Because <laughs> yeah, I wondered that at the beginning. It was, rhetor- it was a rhetorical question. <laughs> I was just saying, yeah. he, didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't convince me too much. But, um, but I, I thought he went out. In, in the bad way. I, I didn't appreciate how they how they killed him. Yeah. No, the two kids who approached guilt. Excuse me, sir. Are you a bad man? Oh, God. Oh, God. That was... That were was... you a bad man when you were a kid? I was never that little. <laughs> that's like that's like your Saturday morning cartoon line. <laughs> Does it mean did the, did the space cowboy remind me a little bit of Randy Quaid's character in... Um, baseball in Independence oh. Day. Yes, <laughs> yes, it did. Yes, but the, the I was just waiting for the same. Yours. <sighs> and then, you, then we get the respite in the middle after the initial battle. Everyone's injured. They're caring for their hurt and injured. But oh. there's a battle going on. They need to get back to it. Yeah. Well, I guess they figured the defenders that came to help protect their planet were going to do that. But, but well, did no, you we need we needed to have. Hold on, we needed to have Sybil Danning's costume change, so she needed to show up in her her new that's costume. Oh, yeah, get so, the gratuitous ass shot. That, yeah, that that's what that was for. Mm-hmm. She literally marched in, walked up to him, stood in front of the camera for three seconds, and then they cut away just for that shot. Hey, look, she had she had a good agent. She put that shit in her contract. What you gonna do? <sighs> what you gotta do i think is bullshit though that everybody who came to protect the planet died except for the people who were actually living on the planet or i should say shad and then by default nanelia because she was on the ship with him but everybody else who he recruited is gone now now correct me if i'm wrong anthony but isn't that sort of the way magnificent seven actually went down pretty much (laughs) Mm -hmm. pretty much yeah and then 
the sudden end to the movie after (laughs) his big little speech about, you know, all the people who died and and what uh, Varda says about them living on through the, you know, through the people that they've touched. And I was like, so they will always live within us. And then he said something similar. Credit. And then that was problematic. I think those pages got ripped out too. There was no in, there was no wrap up. There was no oh they live to see another day or oh we have we don't know if the Kelvins are still alive. Um they're, they're chilling in the protein bath. Oh my in the yeah, because what's his name? The 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 lizard was was busy sacrificing himself and like a oh god, was that not was expecting so that. Not- he sacrificed himself him. literally for nothing. I mean, I know the you made battle screams, shots, but awesome. his oh, battle like, scream and Saint Xmas battle scream. Like, what the hell was that? <laughs> it was it's like, can you can you give a roar? Like, just be like, ah! You said he was like, it was awesome. Was like, wait a minute. Even like, her scream, she was like. Ah! Michaela said they couldn't it's get her to make her. a real like, scream. He's a whole reptile space alien, and he's gonna sound he's gonna sound like a damn uh, smoke alarm. No, that's not how it is. Uh, yeah. And well, then Sador's little how- his little disclaimer at the end, like you're doing all of this, you're killing all these planets and killing all these people because you want to live forever. Really, 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 yeah. really. Yeah. Um, another favorite scene is the Kelvins. They're all sitting around the Kelvins like they're a campfire. Oh and God! With the Cowboy hot dog. Is the hot dog. <laughs> He's what is that? It's a hot dog. I detect no dog in that. There's no dog. And then they go on to list all of the artificial ingredients, and Cowboy says, "Yeah, that's what we call meat on." <laughs> no, no. I don't know about y'all. I got kind of hungry. I was like. Oh damn! Oh, I don't no, know. no. The fact that they used the Kelvins as a campfire was just perfect. That was perfect. <laughs> was perfect. But did they have to sit there and mumble to kind of maintain the right temperature? I mean, fair. <laughs> just have to communicate. They're telling the story. <laughs> and, oh no, god, no, no, no! The awful. part where the part where a couple of people were actually warming their hands. Oh my god! <laughs> it was great. Ah, so good. <laughs> it was great. It was, great. That was so good. Oh god. I'm sorry, but this was like we, the best movie ever. I, you know, I'm just I'm I'm gonna wrap up my part in this by saying I I I do I know this movie has some problems, but I do enjoy watching it from time to time. Um, there are things that I do like about it. Um, I can remember growing up, and you know, among the the two things that I did the most when I was in the house by myself was one pretend to be Doctor Who in every room in the house was a different section of the TARDIS where I was traveling through time. And the other one was my bedroom. I was inside the Corsair and there was my ship and I would fly around. Those, Those two memories are the things that I remember the most about that time of my life. And that's why this movie has a special place for me. That's cool. That's cool. Those are good memories to have. I can go along with that. Like I was just... That's dope. I, I I really like went back to it's like I could actually I could actually see like the last Starfighter like coming up next I I feel, I feel like I could see like coming up next last Starfighter like when the credits were rolling because and this, I mean you know it's always good to go back and see things because it's like you know it's a callback to easier times and it's like this movie was just 
I mean, I, I mean, we tease it rightfully so, but it was, I mean, for the time for when we were watching it, it was a fucking great movie. Yeah. I mean, it's like we, anytime it came on, it was like, it was basically a kid's, our kid's, like my version of Shawshank. Like, you know, when Shawshank comes on, whatever you're doing, you sit the fuck down, you watch that movie. Mm-hmm. And like when this movie came on, I sat my ass down and I watched this movie. This, this movie, awesome. The Last Starfighter and Enemy Mine, used to come on all the time in the mid 80s. All the damn time. And I'm sure that there are reasons why I know this movie, it, it doesn't anymore. You know, they're not going to show this movie because it, it has a lot of problems in it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but but still. It, was a, it was a fun watch. It was a fun yeah. watch. I, you know, I don't really go back nowadays and watch stuff from like that far back just because kind of like we said, a lot of stuff that was filmed back then does have problematic themes and themes that of course will not be acceptable in this day and age. And a lot of times I just don't go back and rewatch stuff because I like, I want to keep the nostalgia, you know, I guess pure in that sense for me. Like I want to remember how I felt watching it the first time without knowing any better, you know, just enjoying it for what it was. But if you go, if I go back and look at some of the stuff now, it's kind of like, oh, that's really problematic. Like, I mean, there's lots of films like that. I I don't go back and watch The Breakfast Club. Um, You know, there's other certain movies that I just don't go back and watch because of that. But this was, this was still fun to to watch. And just knowing that you guys knew what parts I was going to have a problem with and just, you know. It was was obvious. It was really obvious. Yeah. And then also too, just the 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 stupid parts that I knew we were all going to be laughing and teasing about because they were just so so funny and just so like you said, Lori, it's it's corny, it's cheesy, but it's also funny still because we know what the intent was with it, and maybe they didn't intend it for it to be as funny then as we find it now. But I mean. I didn't hate it. You know what I'm saying? It's not one of those movies where I was like, oh my God, I would never watch this again, blah, blah, blah. I mean, some of those movies you watch over and over because of the cheese factor and because of how ridiculous it is. It's like, it's one of those things that you could put on and you could just make fun of it and it immediately changes your outlook for the day because you're in a good mood. You know, that's how I felt about this film. I mean, it was was hilarious. Oh, also like, I know I was I was just watching it again, watching the end part where his ship was exploding. He's like, no. So he's like, we're like, we're all gonna die. He's like, that can't be. I'm gonna live forever. With his one arm having ass. He was just like, then he was like, I'm gonna live forever. I wanna live, I, I wanna live forever. I was like, not happening today, bro. That was very Battlestar Galactica right there. It really and truly was. I mean, I'm talking original. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I just want to say thank you guys for allowing me to indulge in one of my guilty pleasures. Because, like I said, I watch it every couple of years. Um, no, bro, this was awesome. Yeah, I had I'm a so blast. Glad. Yeah, it this was, was fun. This was just crazy. I love this movie. It was a lot of fun. So, um, let's see. So, I think for the most part, we're caught up on our birthday episodes from last year. <laughs> We I think cases. we still need to do Casey's, but I don't know if we're going to get around to hers because now we it's time for us to start doing our 
birthday episodes for this year. So, so far we've got Mike, whose birthday was a couple of weeks ago. And then Lori is celebrating her 50th birthday tomorrow. Yeah, welcome to the club. Yo, yo, yo. Whatever. So Mike and Lori, do you have an idea of what we're going to be discussing for your episodes this year? Yes, I've decided that we're going to do Real Genius for Mine just okay. because I wanted to do it last year. And I saw, and the only thing that almost foiled it was that I saw that Fanboys was for free on a certain other things. And I was going to do that. And I was like, mm, I really want to do Real Genius. So I'm going to, so I'm, so I want to do Real Genius for Mine. See, I would have, Val Kilmer's best work, by the see, way. See, I would have fought you on Fanboys. My choice is going to be something different. Mine is going to be actually a graphic novel. It's going to be DC has this thing called Crisis. There's Infinite Crisis and there's like Final Crisis. But the one I'm going to do is called Identity Crisis. And basically what it is, it is a uh, sort of like a murder mystery, only it's in uh, graphic novel form. Um, It's really good. It's my favorite one. And so, yeah, we're going to be doing a, a graphic novel for my birthday. Okay. So we have those two. I don't know. Uh, my birthday is the next one, and I'm not sure yet what we're going to do. So I'll think about it and let you guys know. But, um, you know, if you guys want to hear our other birthday episodes, we've done, we did Howard the Duck for Mike's birthday last year. Um, we did Smoking Aces for mine, which I'm still editing. We had some problems with the... Um, with the import so i'm trying to work those kinks out we'll get those posted Lori did star trek uh what what was it deep space nine deep space nine nine. Mm -hmm. deep space nine and then this one for anthony so you guys can go to the website and check out any of those or any of our other uh shows for our content but for now that's it for our show you can find us online at www.fandomhybrid.com We are on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Phantom Hybrid. You can watch our videos on our YouTube page, and you can find us on all major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time.